Uh, we are in Third John, and I want to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of like kind of historical background, so you can kind of see a few things about all these letters of John um, and where they kind of fit in the first century. So just just to kind of give you a little overview. Um, this is kind of uh, a rough overview. This doesn't have all the events of the first century, but just some of the significant ones. Um, there is some question about when Christ was crucified. Was it eighty thirty or eighty thirty three? I'm not going to answer that right now. But there's some options there. You've got that. That's what happened in eighty thirty three about. Um, and then, of course, in eighty fifty seven to fifty nine, that was Paul's first missionary journey. Of course, when he. Uh, went to the lower Turkey, modern-day Turkey. That's the first missionary journey. And then in AD 49 is when we had the first Jerusalem Council. Oh, good, a few people joined. Um, um, and then, of course, in AD 50 through 52 is Paul's second missionary journey. If you're reading in Acts, this is Acts 16 and 17. That's his second missionary journey. And then in 51, Bakersfield is incorporated. Uh, that's, that was just a joke to see if you guys were awake. Uh, and then in 80, 53 through 56, we have Paul's third missionary journey. Just look at all that Paul packed in and the time it takes you to go through high school. Just a little thought there. Um, but Paul did a lot. And then in, in 60, we're going to jump a few years here, uh, 65 through 67, we have the death of Peter and Paul. They were in Rome at this time. And then jumping ahead in to sh- this kind of, sorry, jumps backwards. AD 64, John moves from um, Judea to the area of Ephesus. We've got pretty good historical background to do this. He remained in Ephesus for about 20 years. Um, and then, of course, right after 64, and perhaps this is why John left, uh, the Jewish war begins in AD 67 through 70, and of course the Jerusalem uh, temple and city was destroyed in AD 70. It was horrific. Um, you can read a lot about that in uh, the accounts of Josephus. Just gruesome actions that were happening outside of Jerusalem at this time. Um, in AD 80 through 90, John was probably writing his gospel and his epistles. Um, so that's what we're in today in, the, in that period of time. And then, of course, in the mid-90s, John was probably exiled to Patmos, where, of course, he uh, received the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that was written down in Revelation. Um, and then, of course, he died probably in AD 98. He was the last living apostle. And he actually died of natural causes in Ephesus. So he didn't actually die um, on the island of Patmos. He got um, released and died of natural causes as of the last living apostle. Now, why do I give you all of this background? Well, first, I think it's very interesting. I am very interested in historical things. And this also helps me see that these were real people that, um, that wrote these letters. And real historical events were happening while these letters were being written. And also, notice, when John was writing 3rd John and 2nd John and 1st John and the Gospel of John, the apostles were, for the most part, mostly dead. Not all the way dead, but mostly dead. Um, but no, they, everybody but John was dead at this time. He was the last living apostle. So there was kind of a leadership vacuum in the first century world at this point. Now notice there wasn't a vacuum of truth. Um, the apostles' words were being spread in their, their written words were being spread all around the first century church. But there was a, uh, a vacuum of leadership. Who is going to kind of take the baton of these apostles and lead Christ's church? Um, that's very interesting to point out. And then also this was clearly a time of danger, right? 
Jerusalem is getting destroyed. Um, and as we see in the, the book of Acts, right, there was persecution that was increasing. Who wanted to be a Christian? They, they were kind of hated. They were looked at with suspicion. John was being exiled to islands. Who wants to be associated with John, right? So there's a lot of historical context there. Um, and that kind of gets us to all these letters that John wrote. Now, I want to read for you um, the letter of 3 John. It's really quick. You've probably been reading a lot of it lately. But let's read it one more time just to get it in our heads, and you'll soon see why I want to do this. Um, uh, 3 John. Uh, this is Third John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to do to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Uh, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. And we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Uh, this is written from John, who at this point is probably much older. Uh, much older after he is sending messengers out. He's getting older, so his ministry is looking more and more like him writing things and sending messages uh, and messengers to deliver those notes. Uh, we see before this, he wrote another note in verse 9. He wrote to the church. Uh, he, he is writing to do all sorts of things. He is writing to warn against false teachers. We saw that in Second John. He's also writing to encourage people to continue to walk in the truth, in love and hospitality and hospitality and that's why he is doing all of these things now the reason he's writing this particular note um, is to encourage uh, Gaius a member of a local church he's encouraging him to continue it to show hospitality a word we know very well but meant the love of strangers to continue to show love towards those men who are carrying the truth with them um, hospitality was very important in the ancient world um, 
It was a way that you protected people. And in the ancient church especially, it was essential because this was how you received encouragement. It was through messengers that encouragement, spiritual encouragement came. You see in the letter to the Romans in chapter 1, right? Paul is saying, I'm eager to come and see you that I may impart some spiritual encouragement to you. You were encouraged as a church by by ministers, traveling ministers. Why? Because these ministers often came with scripture written to you from the apostles. So it was very important. But travel was very dangerous. Matter of fact, we'll see on this next slide. You remember Second Colossians, uh, Second Colossians, Second Corinthians eleven uh, twenty. Verses uh, 26 and 27 really point this out. But notice, Paul is listing all of the things he goes through as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And notice what he says. Here, kind of scroll through. I, I'm, I'm underlining a few parts here, hopefully, if it works. So, he says, three times, um, next one, uh, I was shipwrecked at night and a day I was adrift at sea. Travel was dangerous. Um, next, um, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger uh, next uh, from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. And then look at verse 27. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, uh, travel was dangerous. Travel was very dangerous. And so hospitality was very important. Matter of fact, in the ancient world, um, the Canaanites worshipped gods that they thought would protect them in travel because it was so dangerous. And, and the key here to remember is the way you found protection is you appealed to your family name. Right? It didn't matter if they were third cousins, fourth cousins. If you were somehow related to them as their family member, they were obliged to take you in. If you were a pagan, it was under fear that the gods would come after you. If you were a Christian, though, why? Because you guys saw yourself as true family, spiritual family, and you wanted to take one another in and care for them because travel was dangerous. And this, of course, leads us to this letter. It seems as though John had sent some messengers to the church that Gaius was in. And it appears that um, these messengers were poorly received, not by Gaius, but by another member of the church, Diotrephes. Um, in verse 9, you kind of see his introduction there. Now, the reason I think they are um, members of the same church, you could go, you could say that maybe maybe Diotrephes was a, a leader of a church in another part of town or by in a town nearby, but I think they were members of the same church, and the reasons are that um, both men seem to be receiving the same brothers and interacting with the same brothers. You also sense here that John is trying to encourage Gaius in some way. It seems as though um, Gaius has done something that has that has resulted in some ridicule or rebuke or mistreatment from somebody else and that's why John is writing and you see there in verse 9 the church it appears that this church was well known to Gaius it would make sense if that was his church as well um, and I would also say John doesn't really appear to be uh, informing Gaius of information that's happening he seems to be more like issuing his judgment or his rebuke of Diotrephes and notice he's not telling Gaius to even do something about this he's saying when I come I'm going to do something about this. So the picture seems to be that right, John 
sent mis- uh, missionaries, messengers, to the church that Gaius and Diotrephes were a part of. Uh, Diotrephes refused them. He tried to kick them out. He didn't like them being there. And Gaius uh, welcomed them into his own personal house. And so John writes to encourage Gaius in this, and he also writes to promise um, coming judgment to Diotrephes. He's promising to come and deal with Diotrephes himself. And the key verse in this entire letter is verse 11, right? This is just summing it all up. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Why? Because whoever does good is from God, is born of God. That's John's language for being born again. I am a part of God's family. I am born of God. Um, But look at that. What he also says, whoever does evil has not seen God. To be born again means you see God. To be born again means you know God. It means your heart has been made alive to see the things that are true um, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have in this letter two men. Two, two men that are kind of shown to us. Uh, one is Gaius and one is Diotrephes. I think it's very interesting. Um, go to the next slide. Um, Gaius's name is a very common name. Like if you wanted to pick a really blah, plain name in the ancient world, you'd pick the name Gaius. Like this is, you know, how, you know how legal documents, when we don't know who that dead body was that's laying in the bottom of the, the Kern River, we, we put a name on them, right? We, we give them John Doe, right? That's, that's because it's such a common name. That is the equivalent of what Gaius's name was. It was a, it was a name that was so common that it was unremarkable. So he was kind of a no-name beloved. But he was beloved by John. You see, beloved, he's addressed that way four times in this letter itself. He was a beloved no-name. But on the other side, Diotrephes was a rarer name. It was a name that was reserved for royalty, for nobility. It actually meant cherished by Zeus. It was a very important-sounding name. And there is a little bit of arrogance dripping in this name, I feel like, that we see come up in this guy's character. So we've got two people, right? We've got Gaius, the no-name beloved, and we've got Diotrephes, the big-name opponent. Um, And you'll notice uh, a characterization of these two as we go on. Now, next slide. I want to... Next slide. I want to um, do a little thing here. We've got... I'm going, to, I'm going to see if we can do this in 10 minutes. So I want you guys to divide up into groups of three, and I want you to quickly do some homework. Um, so we're going, to do, we're going to do a little character study in Diotrephes and character study in Gaius, but I, I don't want you to do both, so I'm going to split you guys up into groups. One, uh, one group will do Gaius, and then another group will do uh, Diotrephes. So I think we'll have enough for like six or seven people, six or seven groups maybe.